Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we go to Cameroon and catch up on the latest from the African Nations Championship, with the hosts playing two-time champions DR Congo in the quarterfinals, and with the games going ahead with strict COVID-19 precautions. I mean, it's been a very, very difficult situation for a lot of the outfits, uh, juggling with impressing on the turf and also tussling with keeping a bay, uh, COVID-19. We also look ahead to the upcoming FIFA Club World Cup with Al-Athli representing Africa at the tournament in Qatar. And as Chelsea part ways with Frank Lampard, we ask if young managers should be given more time and patience than those with more experience. But first, with the elections for a new Confederation of African Football President being held on the 12th of March, there are now four confirmed contestants. The acting CAF President, Constant Omari, has been barred due to an ongoing formal investigation by the FIFA Ethics Committee. The other four are in, that's South Africa's Patrice Motsepe and Mauritania's Ahmed Yaya. They've been cleared to run despite previous doubts over their eligibility. FIFA's review committee has said they can contest. They'll take on the Ivorian Jacques Anouma and Senegal FA President Augustin Senghor. We'll continue to follow this fascinating contest here on Planet Sport Football Africa. So the 2020 African Nations Championship, the CHAN, continues in Cameroon. It's the sixth edition of the tournament for home base players only. And we're at the quarter-final stage now. The matchups are on Saturday, Mali facing Congo-Brazzaville and DR Congo playing the hosts, Cameroon. And then on Sunday, Morocco plays Zambia and Guinea take on Rwanda. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's and Eno is at the tournament, uh, covering the games in Yaoundé. I spoke to him on Zoom and first asked how the tournament has gone so far. Well, Steve, I would say it's been a pretty good tournament. Remember that the shine initially was postponed because of the COVID-19 pandemic, and there were fears that teams will probably not play good football. There were also fears around the COVID-19 pandemic so far on the turf with some good quality. We've seen teams that look tactically rigorous. We've seen other sites playing with instinctive fluency. And we've seen overall that there are really no standout favorites. Um, we've really seen some good football, even the teams that uh, were knocked out really quite early in the tournament played the fair share. And uh, there have been some positive COVID-19 tests in some of the teams. Um, How has this affected the flow of things? I mean, it's been a very, very difficult situation for a lot of the outfits, uh, juggling with impressing on the turf and also tussling with keeping a bay uh, COVID-19. Um, the Democratic Republic of Congo, the lower parts of Congo, for example, played their last group game against Niger, without 12 key players and without their head coach, Flora Ibenge. Now, Deputy Coach Pamphil Mihayo Kazembe, who took charge of that team, had just one goalkeeper available, and he was thankful that at the end of the game, his shortstopper was still in fine form because if the goalkeeper had an injury, he wouldn't have had any replacement 
for that keeper. Niger also, in that game against the Democratic Republic of Congo, at the last minute, had a player who was ruled out because of COVID-19. And it's been a truly difficult situation for uh, several of the teams. I mean, I just cannot, obviously, as you can imagine, we've had to miss out on some star names, miss out on some spectacle, because some key players for the various teams aren't present. But until now, the side that has really had to tussle hard is the Democratic Republic of Congo that are not yet certain if they'll have all of their 12 players available and head coach Florent Ibenge for the quarterfinal clash against the host Cameroon on Saturday. So you told us that fans were not optimistic about uh, Cameroon's chances ahead of the tournament, but they're through to the quarterfinals. Uh, as you say, playing uh, DR Congo in a tricky-looking uh, quarterfinal. Uh, what do the fans uh, think ahead of the game and GA? A bit of optimism, but there's a mix of optimism and anxiety. Optimism, because until now, no one really expected the intermediate lions of Cameroon, as Cameroon's team is referred to, to be able to warm their way through to the quarterfinals. Uh, that they've been able to really go past very tactical teams such as Mali and Burkina Faso is also something good. Now, there's also been optimism because the team has considered just one goal in three games. Um, the Cameroon goalkeeper, Hashu Kerido, has really been in fine fettle and on several occasions has lived up to expectations. Now, the anxiety is mainly due to the fact that the Cameroonian side hasn't created enough in three games. They had just four shots on target with two goals. And they are going to be playing a Democratic Republic of Congo who have had 12 players ruled out of COVID. Now, hopefully these 12 players are back. That means that the DR Congo will have fresher legs than the Cameroonian team. Coach Martin Tungumpilo of Cameroon has used eight players consecutively in the past three games there is really not great option on the bench. The squad depth is not really immense. You do not have such great talent on the bench that you can always turn to. And to talk to you about the level of desperation that you have amongst the fans, um, Cameroon will be playing in Douala. That's um, the country's economic capital. Their last two games on that pitch, they played a draw and they lost one. They're going to play in Douala where the fans are even more demanding. And some fans have taken to social media to send a sort of warning to the team um, saying that perhaps in Yaoun the fans are forgiving, um, but in Douala their mistakes will not be tolerated. That's what the fans have been quick to say. But it's going to be a really tricky game, especially for the um, Cameroonians. But Cameroon have got on the bench Jacques Zoua, who won the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations in Gabon, who was an integral part of the team. He didn't play the last two games and hopes are high that he can be fit for the clash against the Democratic Republic of Congo on Saturday. So lots of pressure then for the intermediate Lions. And um, just finally in GA, overall, which team has impressed you most so far? I think... Zambia Chipolopolos. They came into this tournament um, not really considered one of the favourites, but they're doing a really decent job. I love the fact that they play with a lot of purpose. They play with a certain level of resolve. They attack like uh, their lives depend on it, and they have a very passionate coach on the bench. 
Micho Milutin Sredojevic, who has really been able to imbibe into this team a certain level of confidence. There is also, and you can't rule them out, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Morocco as well. Ayub El Kabi in the first two games looked quite um, off pace. He came to life in the final game against Uganda. Going forward, it's important to have a lad like him in confidence and in fine form. And I think that these three, I will stake my money on them, obviously, for uh, patriotic reasons. I will look at the intermediate lines of Cameroon. I mean, they've got the crowd for them. Yes, Ayub El Kabi was the top scorer and player of the tournament at the 2018 Chan, which Morocco hosted and won. He's back from a spell in China and very much a key player for Morocco. I was talking there to Planet Sport Football Africa's and GAENO at the Chan in Cameroon. Uh, So, Ida, how do you see the tournament going now and uh, who might take it? Well, it might still be too early to call it, but my game of the quarter, Steve, definitely has to be that Morocco versus Zambia. I think it will give us a strong indication of uh, some of the more powerful teams that can go all the way. And, you know, the North Africans have looked very strong uh, with an almost 100% record in the group games and um, at the same time I don't think that anyone can ever really discount the likes of DR Congo Steve and especially in uh, the Chan tournament I mean the two-time champions clearly know something about winning the title and it will also be quite interesting to see how hosts Cameroon react in the knockout stages you know because look they might not have topped the group but they also went through a lot in the process you know so many COVID infections in the team, including the coach. And uh, looking at Rwanda, well, of course, pulling off a huge surprise to reach the quarters. And that was for only the second time in their history, Steve. While, you know, on the flip side, Uganda will be quite disappointed to not have capitalized on their, you know, quite extensive Chan experience, if I do say so. Because to have played at five Chan, Steve, and even won the pre-tournament championship in Cameroon in 2021, but failed to make it to the knockout round, you know, and uh, they've actually never made it to the knockout round, I think says a lot and they will be quite disappointed, I'm sure. Indeed. Uh, So the quarterfinals of the Chan on this weekend in Cameroon. Well, now to the 2020 FIFA Club World Cup, which starts next Thursday in Qatar. And African champions Al Ahly of Egypt play Al Duhail of Qatar in a first round match. If Al-Ahli win, they'll meet the European champions Bayern Munich in the semi-finals. Well, Al-Ahli finished third back in 2006, and the best performances from Africa were in 2010, when TP Mazembe of DR Congo lost in the final to Inter Milan, and then in 2013, when Raja Casablanca of host nation Morocco were also runners-up, losing 2-0 in the final to Bayern Munich. But since 2013, the African representatives have failed to get to the semi-final. So what are your expectations this time, Ida? Well, a quick one, Steve, before I get into that. Well, that game between Al-Ali and Al-Duhail of Qatar, um, it holds special significance for Kenyans. You see, Kenyan international Michael Olunga, uh, some will remember him for putting up a pretty decent uh, performance in the AFCON 2019. Well, he will feature for the Qatari club, having just recently signed for them and then scored a hat trick, Steve, for Duhail, which got Kenyans very, very excited. 
So the FIFA Club World Cup, well, it features champions of the six continental confederations, as well as the hosts' national league winners. Now, ordinarily, the tournament has been dominated by teams from Europe and South America. In its 16 edition history, Steve, just to paint a bit of a picture, only teams from these two regions have won the cup. In the process, these two continents, Steve, have faced each other 12 times in the final within that period. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely amazing performances you've mentioned there from the likes of TP Mazembe representing Africa. And with this edition, I actually wouldn't put a shocker past Al Ali. I mean, the team has simply been on a roll. And Pizzo, of course, you know, looking to have infused, you know, a certain freshness like no other in the club. My only reservation is that the levels of seriousness might not be top in terms of uh, the seriousness that teams will show towards this tournament. And especially knowing that there's so much going on for most of these teams domestically and continentally. I mean, you know, is there a chance that Al Ali can focus too much on this and probably end up sleeping in their lead in the Egyptian Premier League, for example, you know? But all in all, let's not forget that this is all going on within a pandemic. So FIFA will allow up to 30% attendance by local fans only in uh, the two stadiums that will host the matches, though the fans will have to undergo testing, Steve, up to 72 hours before each match. Well, strict conditions, and I'm hoping that Al Atli will at least win their first round game. Thanks, Ida. And in other news, if you were listening to last week's show, we heard from Nigeria international Henry Onyekuru, who expressed his frustration at getting only four appearances for Monaco this season. He said he was hoping to move. Well, Onyekuru has returned for a third loan spell at Turkish club Galatasaray, with an option for them to buy him at the end of the season. So we'll see if things will work out there for Henry Onyekuru. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, as Stuart gives his verdict on the Africans who were new in the English Premier League at the start of this season. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and our website is planetsport.tv. And in the blog section there, you can read about Ghana's Jonathan Mensah. This from an interview we had with him recently as he became the first African to lift the U.S. Major League Soccer Cup with the Columbus crew. Uh, that's on our website, planetsport.tv. Let's go to social media now. And last week we asked, will Manchester City take the English Premier League title? At that point, after a slow start to the season, a winning run had taken City into second place when we asked the question. And now after Tuesday's victory, they now lead. And we asked, are these citizens now set to take the title? With your comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks, uh, Steve. And uh, today we start on WhatsApp with Santino Madut, who is an Arsenal fan in South Sudan. I think Manchester City has a strong enough squad to win the English Premier League, says Santino. Uh, but the Premier League is unpredictable and anything can happen. Mohamed in Sierra Leone says, uh, yes, I think it's likely that Manchester City will take the title if they continue in this form until the end. But it's a tight one for them because the title race is so tough this season. Abasiru Salah in the Gambia agrees. I think Manchester City are on the right track, says Abasiru. But anything is possible. Liverpool's recent home loss to Burnley shows us the Premier League is unpredictable. Joachim Mudanga is in Uganda. 
A City are a competitive team, says Joachim, especially when they hit the first and second positions. They are playing more aggressively than Manchester United now and have a chance of winning the title. Nevertheless, the Premier League is such a hard league to determine, especially this season. So for me, three teams from one to three are in the race. And uh, those uh, top three teams, when uh, Joachim got in touch with us, were Manchester United, City and Leicester. And picking up on that, Modu Apabi Baji in the Gambia says, well, it is possible for Manchester City to take the title, but also take note of the Foxes. No one should rule them out of this. Amadou Baji, also in the Gambia, is a little more confident about City. I have the belief that the citizens will win the English Premier League, says Amadou. They have got the squad and a coach who is a very good tactician. They are good and consistent, and the efforts of this City team are paying off. Uh, but Mendes in Tanzania thinks uh, the title will go to the other side of Manchester. Manchester United will win it, says Mendes, because they have everything going for them to win the title this season. And John in Ghana agrees. No, I don't see City winning it, says John. I see my darling club Manchester United winning the league if they continue to win as they have been doing recently. MLX in South Sudan has a similar thoughts. I think if other teams like Liverpool and Manchester City are not going to open their eyes, Manchester United will be waiting to take away the title. However, SON in Nigeria sees the title coming to London. City won't win it, says SON. We still have a long enough fixture list ahead, so I can't give up hope for my team, Tottenham Hotspur. We are still very much in the race, no doubt about that. We can turn things around. And uh, Oye Dokun Kabia in Nigeria thinks the reigning champions are still in with a chance. Anything can happen in football, says Oye Dokun. And despite Liverpool's recent loss of form, they can still come back and win the title. According to Saihu Dumbaya in the Gambia, whether Manchester City wins the title or not is down to one vital factor. The citizens can take the league if the current form is maintained and injuries don't destruct the team. And AIM Augustine in Rwanda picks up on the same point. My opinion is that Manchester City is the most favourable, says AIM, and because Pep shows us his squad is big enough to cope with injuries and players who aren't match fit. But don't forget Kevin De Bruyne is now out injured for six weeks, so this will be a test for Pep. Abolong Baji is in the Gambia. I am a Liverpool fan, says Bolong, but I think Manchester City can be crowned champions if they can dodge defeats. They have a team that shows total devotion and enjoys possession, making them dictate games at times. However, stiff challenges still await them due to the narrowness of the gaps between the top five teams. Uh, but uh, Frida Vienda Okachi in Kenya uh, finds this week's uh, question too hard to call at this stage of the season. It's too early to predict who will win the title, says Frida. The race is still open, but for now, Manchester City will be favourites since they have one game in hand compared with the Red Devils. And finally, here's Mwinga Mbolwa in Zambia. It has been a good season thus far, and it is still too early to tell who the champions will be. Manchester United and their sworn rivals, Manchester City, are definitely in the conversation regarding the title with Liverpool, Chelsea, and also Tottenham also in with a chance. But as things stand for now, it is still very open, and we could be in for a photo finish.
Well, uh, there you have it, Steve. It's uh, been uh, such a, a tight title race so far, and I think Mwinga is absolutely right. It will take a brave person to predict at this stage who will win it. And yes, it does seem we could be in for a photo finish. Well, yes, I think we're going to see Man City establish themselves at the top, but uh, as many have said there, uh, there is still a long way to go. Well, thanks to everyone who got in touch. And this week we're talking Chelsea and Frank Lampard. Uh, the Blues legend was, of course, fired as manager on Monday and Thomas Tuchel has replaced Lampard. We had this voice note from Ebrima Kante. He's a big Chelsea fan in the Gambia. Of course, I'm, I'm so much happy. I am happy because for me, yes, Lampard is our legend. Lampard is one of the best players of all time in Chelsea. But he... He was given a, a job that is too big for him. He should start somewhere, have knowledge for one, two, three, four, five years, and then come back to Chelsea. If you look at what Liverpool are doing for Gerard, Gerard is going when Gerard went to Rangers and he's doing well there. And two, three years, four years experience at Rangers will equip him, you know, to be a very good manager for Liverpool. So Ebrima saying there that he thinks that Lampard wasn't ready for the Chelsea job and that Liverpool legend Steven Gerrard has taken a better path by going to Scottish Giants Rangers for now. Uh, Lampard was at Championship side Derby County before moving to the Blues. Asking for your opinion this week, uh, should young managers be given more time? So Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich lost patience with manager Frank Lampard after 18 months in charge. It was a risky move appointing Lampard given his lack of experience, uh, so should the club have given him plenty of time to grow in the job? And Manchester United and Arsenal also have inexperienced former players as manager with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Mikel Arteta. So should these young managers be given more time and patience than other managers who have more experience? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Always great to hear from you. What well, are European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK now? And, uh, well, Stuart, obviously Chelsea knew that it was a risky move appointing Lampard, uh, given his lack of experience. So maybe the club should have given him plenty of time to grow in the job. And you could say the same thing about uh, Solskjaer at Manchester United and Arteta at Arsenal. The sacking of Frank Lampard as Chelsea manager after only 18 months in post was both surprising and not at all surprising. It's surprising that a manager who in his first half season achieved Champions League qualification and reached an FA Cup final has been fired so quickly. He's also been more successful than any previous Chelsea manager at integrating academy players into the team. Six former Chelsea youth players have been playing this season. When he left, Chelsea were ninth in the league table, but just five points out of the top four still in the Champions League, still in the FA Cup. However, his team had lost five of their last eight league games to Everton, Wolves, Arsenal, Manchester City and Leicester City. You could also say that in the summer, he was allowed to spend $230 million on Havertz, Werner, Chilwell, Ziyech and Monday, And that even with that expenditure, Chelsea still looked far from being a title-winning team. 
But the reason he was fired is that is what owner Roman Abramovich does. He is the 12th manager to be fired by Abramovich. Ranieri, Mourinho twice, Hiddick, Grant, Scolari, Angelotti, Villas-Boas, Matteo, Benitez, Conte, Sarri and now Lampard. Of course, Frank Lampard was a Chelsea legend, playing over 600 games, scoring over 200 goals for Chelsea. He won three Premier League titles, four FA Cups and a Champions League as a Chelsea player. But two statistics that went against Lampard were that his record of 1.6 points per league game in charge is lower than any of the previous nine managers and also his record against top six clubs. At the end of the day, he simply didn't win enough games to satisfy his bosses. So Frank Lampard has been fired for failing at Chelsea and he has been replaced by Thomas Tuchel, recently fired for failing at Paris Saint-Germain, where he was replaced by Mauricio Pochettino, fired by Tottenham for failing there. It's a strange business, Steve, where failing at one club seems to qualify you for success at an even better one. Now, your comments on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Arteta, you know, I have no doubt that if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had been the Chelsea manager, he would have gone long ago. But look what he has achieved because Manchester United have given him time. Yes, so again, we're asking for your thoughts on social media this week on this. Should young managers be given more time and patience than other managers with more experience? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post your comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. And uh, Stuart, what an upset as Sheffield United beat Manchester United on Wednesday. Well, this remarkable football season continues, with Manchester City now top of the Premier League for the first time this season. Their 5-0 win at West Brom was their seventh consecutive league victory. And then, as you say, Manchester United followed an excellent FA Cup win over Liverpool last weekend by losing 2-1 at home to the bottom club, Sheffield United. To be fair, this was United's first league defeat since November. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can say with some justification that there was a clear foul on De Gea for the first Sheffield United goal and that United had what looked a perfectly good goal disallowed. But United looked slow, lacked intensity and the defence still looked suspect. And you have to say Manchester City looked strong. City are now one point ahead of United and two ahead of Leicester City, but City have a game in hand. Now, this weekend sees United go to Arsenal, Manchester City at home to Sheffield United, and Leicester play Leeds. Still 18 games to go, and while there will be a few more twists, it looks as if Manchester City have suddenly become the team to beat. Yes, as Stuart agreeing with me then that to Manchester City now have to be the title favourites. And we're halfway through the season now, Stuart. What's your assessment of the African new arrivals in the Premier League? Well, there were eight Africans joining the Premier League this season. And I think it's a mixed report, Steve. Aston Villa's Bertrand Traore, the Burkina Faso player from Lyon, has played 15 games. And he's in a rich vein of form, scoring four goals in his last six. Now, Arsenal's Ghanaian Thomas Partey, who signed from Atletico, made a great impression 
when he first came, but he's now only had five starts, and the last time he played 90 minutes was in November. Chelsea have two Africans, goalkeeper from Senegal, Edward Mondi, and I mean, he has made a really good impression. He's become the number one keeper ahead of the $80 million Kepa, and he's had 15 league appearances, and is very much the number one. It's been more difficult for the Moroccan Hakim Ziak, signed from Ajax. He's only had eight starts and only once played 90 minutes. And, you know, I think that's important because I think it's hard to play well and adjust to the Premier League if you're never playing a full game. Ola Aina, Fulham's Nigerian, signed from Torino in Italy, has played most of the games and is very much established in the first team. Whether Fulham can survive is another matter. Sadly, Southampton's Ghanaian Sally, uh, signed from Spain, has yet to make an appearance. And then there were two players we mentioned previously, Ismail Kolobali from Mali and Kabori uh, from Burkina Faso, whom Sheffield United and Manchester City respectively signed and sent them on loan to Belgium, where they're playing regularly. But no sign of a Premier League debut for either of them. Finally, there's the 18-year-old Ivorian Adam Diallo, who Manchester United signed from Atalanta and Italy. Now, he'd only made three appearances in Italy before United paid $26 million, which could rise to $50 million. An awful lot of money for an 18-year-old who's yet to play much. Yeah, it could be a future star. Manchester United must like her Adam Jallo a lot. Thanks, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, Ida Waringa in Nairobi and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.